Well, good evening. We're going to continue our study, or not our study, our, our exploration of the wise men from uh, Matthew chapter 2. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and uh, hopefully allow us to reflect just a little bit before we head into Christmas about what that means for us together. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, this is God's word, not just an old story, the word of God. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And then it quotes the prophet Isaiah here. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, recently I saw a documentary come out. I'm a sucker for music documentaries. A documentary come out called If These Walls Could Talk, and it was about the famous Abbey Road recording studio in England and the story of how it was originally a mansion then got kind of cleared away and they became a classical recording space and then was kind of made famous through a series of pop stars including the Beatles and Paul McCartney leading probably their, well, in my humble opinion, the best Beatles album, Abbey Road. And the documentary was, was kind of with the conceit that if, if you could talk to the walls at Abbey Road, they would have so many stories to tell. I feel the same way about the walls of Bethlehem, this small out-of-the-way town. If the walls of Bethlehem could talk to us, they would tell us much about the child, Jesus, that was born that we celebrate on Christmas. And if, if I could say it this way, they tell us stories that help us understand who Jesus is. And the first story I think the walls of Bethlehem would share with us is the story of the road to Bethlehem. Actually, the, the first appearance of Bethlehem in Scripture is Genesis 35. And you'd expect it to be a happy or exciting or you know, kingly thing, given how important Bethlehem is going to be. But no, it's actually a tragic event. The patriarch Jacob is traveling, and his wife Rachel whom he deeply loves, dies in childbirth. Remember, this is the woman that Jacob worked 14 years in order to marry. And Rachel, as she's dying, names her son Benoni, which means son of sorrow, which is not a, that's a tough name for a little guy. And, and yet, one of the things that's striking about the Christmas story and about Bethlehem is that it doesn't try to cover up the hard parts of life. The Christmas story is not just kind of a sheen we put over life to say, oh, well, it's, usually it's bad, but we're going to pretend for a month that it's good. No, uh, life is full of sorrow at times. Uh, perhaps you've lost a loved one, and this Christmas is difficult because of that, or you're dealing with chronic pain or medical issues or depression, and the Christmas story does not ignore those things, but it does offer hope in the midst of that. In that story, Jacob sees his son. Imagine the son who maybe has the face or the eyes of his beloved wife, and he changes his name just slightly, away from son of sorrow to, in the Hebrew, it's very close, son of strength. He kind of renames his son. Out of this sorrow, this son will be a son of strength. And, and indeed, he would be. He would be part of God's plan to save the world. 
The second story, Jerusalem, I mean, Bethlehem rather would tell us, is the, the city of Bethlehem itself, those walls, probably in a small house somewhere in Bethlehem. There used to live a woman named Naomi. And the book of Ruth tells us about Naomi. Naomi lived there happily, it seems, with her husband and two sons, only for a famine to strike the land. And Naomi and her husband and her sons leave and go sojourn elsewhere, only for her, her two sons and her husband to pass away. And so she returns to Bethlehem in sadness. And all she has with her, no earthly possessions, one foreign daughter-in-law named Ruth. And you think, okay, nothing good is going to come out of this. And Naomi, when she arrives in town, she catches up with old friends and says, don't call me Naomi anymore because her, her, her name meant sweet. Um, don't call me sweet anymore. My new name is bitter. And you're like, man, that's, that's also a tough look. You know, that's, Naomi got back in town. That's the good news. The bad news is she's telling everyone to call her bitter because her, heart, her life's been so hard. And again, you just see that, that Bethlehem doesn't try to cover up the hard parts of life. There's a reason that Christmas stories are full of crusty, bitter people. Uh, Scrooge, the Grinch, right? Why, why is the world so filled with Christmas stories like that? Well, because the real world is filled with Scroogey, bitter, Grinchy people. And, and the reason the world is filled with those, those kind of people is that the world is hard. Difficult things happen, and yet there is hope. Bethlehem also speaks to us about hope. This, this woman, Naomi, by the end of the book of Ruth, she's gone from bitter back to, be, back to sweetness because this commendable man named Boaz marries Ruth and legally becomes Naomi's son in a sense. In fact, uh, Ruth's children with Boaz are legally Naomi's grandchildren, even though they're not related by blood. Her life is reversed again in, from bitterness to sweetness. And then the last story, the final story, perhaps one you're familiar with, the story of Boaz's great, uh, Boaz's great grandson, or grandson rather. First Samuel 17, Samuel the prophet goes to anoint the next king of Israel in Bethlehem. And so Jesse, the fa this father in Bethlehem, has a lot of sons. So he brings all these sons out so Samuel can examine them. And Samuel looks over son after son after son and says, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. Again, a tough day for the guy, the, the Jesse's sons. They all just get rejected in a row. And finally, Samuel says, isn't there anybody else? And Jesse says, well, I do have this one kid. But he, you know, and there's probably a reason he didn't invite him. He was overlooked. He was the guy, that, the little guy that got left behind to take care of the sheep while the real kingly sons were being examined. And maybe today you feel a little bit the same way, like Jesse's son did. You feel overlooked, like nobody really knows your story, like it's, you're going on through life, but nobody's really aware of you or caring about you. And yet there is hope that in this little town of Bethlehem, Samuel and God look past all of the kingly people to this shepherd boy named David. And he ends up being anointed and becoming the greatest king of Israel. And so I hope you see in Bethlehem, if the walls could talk, they would tell of this pattern that happens over and over in Bethlehem, that things start out bad, but by the end of the story, a great reversal happens and something beautiful has come about as a result. And these stories, if they could tell, talk to us through the walls of Bethlehem, would tell us about who Jesus is and the kind of king that he will be. Jesus will be overlooked by the world. He will be a simple carpenter and then a wandering teacher. But that will hide the fact that he is also the Lord of all creation who can speak and stop a storm right in its tracks and bring people back from the dead. This child, Jesus, will also taste 
bitterness. He'll be unjustly accused and condemned uh, because he's, he's preaching the truth. And he'll be cast aside by his people. And yet, 2,000 years ago, this man that they thought would easily be gotten rid of, in fact, well, there's a whole season dedicated to him every year. Uh, They weren't very successful in trying to downplay the story of Jesus. His story goes from bitterness to glory. And then perhaps most vividly, this child Jesus who is born will truly be a man of sorrow. His story will contain bearing a cross and being crucified on it. And yet he will not just remain a man of sorrow, he will also be a son of strength. He will rise from the dead in victory. So why then did these wise men come seeking this king? And why were they pointed to Bethlehem? And what does that have to teach us tonight? Well, they came seeking, as they said, we have come, we're seeking the king of the Jews and we have come to worship him. They likely didn't understand the whole story of Jesus. They may not have known all the stories of Bethlehem, but they understood one thing. The king had come, the king of all creation, and they wanted to become part of that story. So here's the good news. Uh, Although you and I may never record a Grammy-winning album in Abbey Road Studios, although if you do, let us know. We'd love to maybe visit and check it out um, while you're there. Although that's that's unlikely, we're not going to be part of the Abbey Road story. We are part of the story of Bethlehem. And if you are a follower of Jesus, rejoice. Because this great pattern that's present in the city of Bethlehem, from bitterness to sweetness, from sorrow to strength, from being overlooked to being known and loved, is the story of every single person who comes to Jesus as king. And so today, rejoice that you have such a king, that your story, wherever it is right now in the middle of it, will end like all of the great stories of Bethlehem, in joy and strength because of Jesus. And if you are not a Christian and Jesus is not your king, well, today he could become your king. Today, he can meet you right in the middle of the story, wherever you are, and begin through his miraculous work and who he is, to change your story from sorrow to strength, from bitterness to joy, from being overlooked to being known. That's why he came. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we are so grateful that, that such a king exists that brings about such a stunning reversal. Lord, if the walls of, Jerusalem, of, of Bethlehem could talk, Lord, they would tell us story after story of God meeting people in difficulty and yet restoring and saving This is the pattern of your life. This is the pattern of our life. So I pray that on this Christmas Eve, as we look ahead just over the horizon to the sun dawning and us celebrating Jesus as King, we'd remember this pattern. And that even right now, as we sing, you'd meet people where they are and give them hope and life in Jesus. Amen.